Howdy everyone, this is the Daring Poppy swooping in for a, a little interlude and I have a gorgeous fairy tale book on my lap and it's fairy tales from many lands. I have always hunted in one of my favourite pastimes is, is haunting secondhand bookshops and this is one of my lovely acquisitions. Uh, it, it, um, I'll give credit where credit's due here because this is published by Cliveden Press and they're an, an Egmont company from Great Dulcie Street, Manchester and it was printed in Czechoslovakia. So uh, yes, no prizes for guessing which fairy tale I've chosen to share. <laughs> the Emperor's New Clothes I'll just let it speak for itself. Many years ago, in a far-off land, lived an emperor. The country he ruled over was very, a very small one, and most of the people were happy. There were, of course, some people who grumbled, but not many. So you could say that it was a country at peace, and it was very friendly with all the other countries. There was a little ruling to be done. Life was easy for the emperor. He liked his food, but his doctor kept telling him not to eat so much because he would get very fat. He just didn't care and ate as much as he wanted because all he was thinking about was his clothes. He really loved clothes and would spend hours with his tailors talking and looking at the latest clothes to, to arrive from the merchants. Everybody knew that if he was wanted for something very important, the best place to find, or I beg your pardon, the best place to look for him would be in the shops. So, as you can see, the emperor wasn't very bright, was he? One day, two villains arrived in town. Keeping their ears open and listening to all what was said about the emperor's love of clothes, they found out that he had a coat for every hour of the day. You didn't hear people say, he is in council. All you heard was, the, em the emperor was in his wardrobe. The two villains very soon found out about this weakness of the emperor's. Knowing that the emperor's vanity would be his undoing, they sat down and worked out a plan that they felt would be sure to succeed. Surrounding the emperor were courtiers and statesmen who, when the emperor said, I like this or I like that, everyone around him would agree that the emperor's taste was faultless. Soon the villains were going around the town telling everyone that they were weavers of the most marvellous cloth that had ever been made. It was woven, they said, from, from thread made by the gnomes, and anyone who wore clothes made from it became more handsome or much cleverer than they had been before. The only snag they let it know was that the gnomes didn't like stupid people, particularly if they were kings or queens not fit to rule, and to stop them wearing the magic clothes that they had made the cloth invisible to such people. 
very soon the emperor knew, sorry, I beg your pardon, he heard of the new arrivals and was anxious to meet them. So he sent one of his courtiers into town to bring back these two weavers to the royal palace in order to see some of their fine clothes. He was most anxious to see them. When the weavers arrived at the palace, they told the emperor that they were sorry they hadn't anything to show him. Sorry, I've just lost my place. Anything to show him, for all the cloth had already been sold. But as they were about to set up their looms, they would be happy to weave the emperor a completely new set of state clothes. The emperor was delighted with that idea and ordered that the two weavers be quickly found a nice house for them, for both themselves and their looms, as he wanted the new state clothes as quickly as they could make them. To help them further, he gave each a bag of gold so that they would want to work fast to get another bag of gold. How foolish was the emperor. The cheats, for that is what they were, went away and before long they were living in one of the emperor's best mansions where they shut themselves in to enjoy food and wine which the emperor sent round to them. It was not long before the emperor started wondering how the new clothes were getting on and once he started thinking about them he became very impatient. I should like to know how far they have got with the stuff, thought the emperor. But he felt quite uncomfortable when he remembered that those who were not fit to rule could not see the material. Though he believed he had nothing to fear for himself, he sent them the most trusted ministers round to the weavers to find out what was happening. Now, when the ministers arrived at the cheat's house, they found them both working as hard as they could in front of their looms. The only problem was that they were empty. Good heavens, thought the first minister, as he opened his eyes wider and wider. I just cannot see any cloth at all. The cheats begged him to come closer and asked him whether he liked the colour and pattern. But he, the minister, simply couldn't see anything at all. One of the cheats said that they were running out of silk and also gold thread and told one of the ministers that they must have some more money for these or else they couldn't finish the weaving. This the elder minister promised to do, thinking it better to make believe that he could see that which wasn't there, rather than have people think him stupid. The other ministers did the same, each pulling the wool over the other's eyes. Upon returning to the emperor, they told him that the weaving of the material was getting on nicely, but that the weavers required more money with which to buy more silk and gold thread. Cheeky fly just flew in, sorry. The emperor at once sent a messenger to the cheats with a bag of gold so that, so that there should be no hold up. The villains were delighted with the second bag of gold. They were living in grand style and didn't want it to stop. They even hoped that a third bag of gold might come their way before long. They knew that if they kept their nerve, their clever plan to trick the emperor would succeed beyond their wildest dreams. 
such was man's vanity. Several days passed without any more news, so the emperor decided to send one of his statesmen to find out how they were getting on. The statesmen were used to such er used to such errands, as with the ministers. When the statesmen entered, there sat the weavers working at their looms, with shuttles clattering from one side to the other, but not a sign of cloth at all. The weavers jumped up and acted as though they were handling a cloth of gold, draping it over the chair and standing back to admire it. Turning to the statesman, they asked him what he thought of the colour and pattern, saying that this was indeed the finest material they had ever created. By this time, people from far and wide were curious to know how the wonderful material was looking, and when the confused statesman went to leave the weaver's house, a crowd of people wanted to know the latest news. The statesman, like the ministers, couldn't admit that he had seen no cloth, since everyone would have said, ah, that man's not clever enough to be a statesman. So when the mayor asked, he replied, the cloth is magnificent and our emperor will be the best dressed monarch in all the world. The crowd was excited by this news, and whenever the two cheats came out into the street, the crowd cheered and clapped them. At long last, the weavers sent word to the emperor that the cloth was finished, and that they would soon be ready for a fitting. But the emperor couldn't wait. Calling for his courtiers, he went to call upon the weavers. When the emperor entered the building, the two weavers bowed and walked back backwards before him until they reached the looms. They then began to pick up and hold some of the invisible cloth for the emperor to see, holding it over their arms. The emperor stood with his eyes and mouth open while those around him murmured how much they liked it. Isn't it beautiful, your majesty, said one of one old minister pointing to the empty loom. He was sure that the others could see it. It is truly the finest cloth I have ever seen, said a statesman. I have never seen such a rich cloth in all my life, said another courtier as they all looked towards the emperor. You like it, your majesty? asked one of the cheats. The emperor stood and thought. I must be a stupid man, or else, or how else can I not see that which everyone else sees? But I must not let it be noticed. Turning to the cheat, he replied, Yes, it is very nice cloth indeed. How long will it be before I can try on the new clothes? asked the emperor, who wanted them for a grand procession. Oh, in a day or two, your majesty, replied one of the pair. You see, we have finished the most difficult part, and the cutting and sewing will be easy. The emperor thought this was a different story to the one usually told, for his tailors and cutters always said how hard it was to make such fine clothes. Anyway, thought the emperor, perhaps when the clothes are finally made, I shall actually see them. After two days, the weavers sent a message to the emperor saying that all the state clothes were ready for him to see. 
the emperor called for his ministers of state and his other trusted ministers, and they and off they went to the weavers. Again, the emperor was taken most respectfully into the room where the looms were. Once more, the emperor could not see one single piece of cloth, let alone a garment made up. The two weavers held up an arm and said, See, here are the trousers. Here is the coat and here is the cloak and so on. They are as light as spiders' webs. One would think one hardly had anything on, but that is just the beauty of it. What is this? thought the emperor. I cannot see anything at all, and yet everyone else around me can. Am I stupid? Am I not fit to be emperor? That would be a dreadful thing if it were true. It is very handsome, he said aloud. It has royal approval, and he nodded at the empty looms. Everyone agreed, and right away the cheats were given the title of Imperial Court Weavers. The cheats hoped that with such a grand title might come another bag of gold. They certainly were greedy fellows and up to all the tricks. The emperor there and then decreed that a huge procession should take place so that he could show off his new state clothes to all his people. Preparations were put in hand. Guests were invited from neighbouring countries. Stands were erected and flags and banners raised for the great day. When the day arrived, the emperor, after bathing, went into his wardrobe, took off his clothes and waited a while for the two cheats with the help of the emperor's own servants. Dressed him in his new garments, or so they all imagined. The emperor moved over to the large mirror and turned around and around. Oh, how well they look. Oh, how splendid they fit, everyone said. What patterns, what colours. The canopy is ready, your majesty, announced the royal master of ceremonies, and they all moved off, the emperor leading the way. The chamberlains, who were to carry the royal train, stooped down towards the floor with their hands as if they were picking up the cloak. Then they pretended to be holding something in the air. They were afraid to let it be seen that, that they saw nothing at all. So the emperor moved off in possession, procession under the rich canopy. All who saw the emperor were struck with amazement, everyone looking at one another and then back at the strange sight that passed before them. Not a word was spoken so that each and all thought that he or she couldn't see the splendour that was passing before them, but that his neighbour could. As this amazing procession passed by, who else but a young child should point to his imperial majesty and say, but he has nothing on. Everyone turned round aghast and the child's mother, blinking with confusion, told the child not to say such silly things, especially when the emperor himself, dressed in all his splendour, was passing by. But he hasn't any clothes on, the child persisted. By now his parents thought it was time to hustle him away and out of sight of his majesty. 
but he has clothes on, murmured the crowd at length. Although they said it to one another with not much conviction, the emperor was touched, for it seemed to him that they were right. So he strode out with renewed vigour, while the chamberlains held on tighter than ever to the train that did not exist. When they returned to the palace, the procession went straight to the throne room where the emperor majestically took his rightful place. The most important visitors and their wives formed a long queue, and one at a time they approached the throne, bowing three times before they kissed the royal hand. All this time the royal household stood and watched this pantomime, first one and then another saying, what a majestic figure our emperor makes sitting there in royal isolation and dressed in such clothes the world has never seen the like. When all, all was over, the emperor retired to his royal suite and then changed into another royal suit. Throughout the whole land, only one child had the courage to speak the truth. Oh well, such is life.